It can travel anywhere in time and space. Right. This is gonna be fun. Up we go. Into time and space! Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. Well, we are still doing our countdown to Galley 1. We, yes. uh, uh, for those who aren't going, I'm sure you're sick of us talking about it, but for those who are <laughs> going, yes. But it's it's certainly our biggest Doctor Who convention. Certainly your first. Oh, yeah. it's our. It's my biggest convention ever. Ever, so separate and apart as a convention, and then first Doctor Who. So I, I went to Chicago TARDIS, man, I don't want to think about it, almost maybe a decade ago at this point. You went uh, to t- Chicago without me? Well, it was actually, it's one of those misnomers. It's actually in Lombard, Illinois. But they're like, oh, what's the closest city? Oh, we're in Chicago, Chicago TARDIS. So you didn't go to Chicago <laughs> no, without me? I didn't. Okay. Right. I did, but it was before I met you. Wait, so. what? No, no, still not okay. <laughs> but anyway, but that was an interesting one. I'm, if I haven't talked about it again, uh, that was the one. I know I've talked to you. That was um, oh, Yanto. I know he has a real name. That was Yanto from Torchwood was there, right. as well as Reese yeah. from Torchwood. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I was just trying to picture who that was. <laughs> yes. Bring me for a minute. I'm with you. And then I'm trying to figure there. I'm sure there's a classic who person there, but... Uh, escapes my mind for a moment. Um, but it was, I mean, Chicago TARDIS is, is, you know, if you're making your list of American Doctor Who conventions, it's like probably in the top five, I would think. Uh, you know, it's not huge, but it's it's pretty good. And I know it's probably gotten better since I've been there, you know, so many years ago at this point. But it was nice because, again, it was sort of that smallish experience. And so uh, Reese, and I can't remember his real name for the moment. Um, but anyway, he was in the bar and ended up, uh, buying me and my friends a drink and nice. chatting, chatting for a little bit. Nice. So he's very, I mean, much who he is, you know, just a regular Welshman, you know, football fan, all that stuff. So, yeah. <clears throat> now I have to be honest, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to Trader Joe's on Saturday and uh, that totally set off my anxiety. <laughs> it was crowded. <laughs> it was very crowded. <laughs> it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Not as many people in costume. Not as, <laughs> that's um, true. Right. Not quite as many. Yes. But yeah, so I'm a little concerned about how uh, how I'm going to go with a. a I think the aisles will be a slightly sense. bigger. Yes, that's true, and we won't be Marriott. pushing a grocery cart. Where we put? No, we didn't have a grocery cart, but we did have a basket. And we yeah. are, and uh, hopefully, we'll know where things are. Yes, we won't have quite the scavenger hunt experience, which I can talk briefly about. This isn't Doctor Who related, but it's geeky related. Uh, for Christmas, Jessica here got me a geeky cookbook basically oh yeah where, uh, <laughs> with the rest of- now i have to say that yes. he's only telling you guys about this because i didn't post about it on facebook that's true so and, someone has to brag about and he it. was sad about it and so yes. i'm a man who made a meal this has to be <laughs> trumpets and spotlighted across the universe the 99.9 percent of the meals you make deserve nothing no mentions at all <laughs> But anyway, but uh, you know, the, each of the recipes is uh, – I don't have it in front of me, so I forget the exact title. But each of the recipes has some sort of geek relation. And so I was going through the meals uh, portion because there's drinks and snacks and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, sure. but it's, it's yeah. like things from Something. Harry Potter films. Or Zelda. Or, or Zelda you know, or Doctor Star- Who yeah. or any Well, I don't those. think they actually have anything from Doctor Who, but, but I'll really? like, Yeah, I don't think yeah. so. I can't think of any Doctor Who food, but we'll have to think about Fish that. Fish fingers and custard. There you go. We'll mm-hmm. see if that's good or not. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but I, I ended not. up making... We will not see <laughs> if that's good or not. I know the answer to that already. Ended up doing the shawarma recipe with the hat nod or the hat tip to Avengers. Yes. Um, so, or the Avengers. And so. the Avengers were apparently, because I looked at the recipe, giving a hat, a hat nod to... Oh, well, Joss Whedon. Uh, yeah, the guy who played Xander yeah. in Buffy. Apparently, he, during his his audition for Xander, at the end of it, he invited everyone for uh, shawarma, and that amused Joss. So, so he who, included it in the Avengers movie, yeah. and then it got it. So it's a little bit of a yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a long geekdom. But it was uh, involved. That's why we ended up going to. We're one of the reasons we went to Trader Joe's, finding all the spices, and it turned out all right. I, I mean, I'm not going to very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's something we should add to the repertoire. Sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, if anyone knows any Doctor Who recipes other than fish fingers and custard, yeah, let us know because we're not eating fish fingers <laughs> and custard. I mean, not together anyway. No, custard any... belongs on apple crumble. Well, there you go. 
anything specific you're looking forward to galley one because we we sort of sat down as a couple and went through the schedule yeah. this kind of cool app you can use and kind of look at the schedule that way instead of yeah there are a lot of things i'm excited about but i gotta be honest uh-huh. the thing i'm very most excited about is my husband's panel Yes. Well, uh, I, I mean, I hope it'll be well. <laughs> but anyway, yes, I I applied and got accepted to do um, the Babylon 5 at 25, if that's the exact title, discussion panel. Um, interestingly enough, Gallifrey 1 will actually have a lot of Babylon 5 people there. Like, there's going to be the Babylon 5 celebrity uh, panel. Contingency. Yeah, panel. Um, I think it's called Sleeping in Light, of course, named after the last episode. Uh, it's going to be this off the top of my head, so I may be wrong. Claudia Christensen, of course, Susan Ivanova. Patricia Tillman, Lita Alexander. Oh, one more. I feel like there's one more in my head. I can't remember who it is. Now I feel embarrassed. But then they've just added Walter Cohen, um, who played Bester, of course, also known as Chekhov. But anyway, so that'll be interesting as well. Yeah. So, yeah. That's very exciting. Oh, uh, uh, Delenn. Delenn, I think, is the other person. Mira. I can't remember her last name. But anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it'll be the... All sort of, the women yeah, independent. Plus Bester. Yeah. Plus Chekhov. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so that'll be interesting because so they'll have their celebrity panel, and then um, Saturday evening um, will be the panel that I'll be on with uh, also a, a writer. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he's a sci-fi writer of TV television. He'll be also there. He's wrote Babylon Five, wrote some Star Trek. Um, so it'll, that'll be interesting and see how that goes. Uh, I'll have to wear my cool Babylon Five jacket that I bought. And, <laughs> and figure out how to make the audience he, fall in he love uses with me. The word cool. But I don't think he knows what the word means. Well, it's like a bow tie. <laughs> or a fez. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're uh, I don't know when we'll talk about it. Of course, it depends how fast we watch. But one thing I wanted to start to do this month was start a Doctor series together. Now, of course, you know, we've watched the 13th Doctor, obviously, together for the first time. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of it. It's not like we can go back in time and watch Doctor Who for the first I mean, you're, you're watching a lot for the first time. But I've seen it all. But that's not true because I haven't seen all of the third Doctor. And so we're going to start watching the third Doctor straight through together, which will be mostly for the first time for me and first time for you. Mm-hmm. So that way we can actually sort of watch a classic Doctor and experience what's that, what that is like. So how much, you know, flows, develops, or, or whatever. I don't know. You know, because we've, we've always sort of just jumped back and forth. Yes. Yeah, sort of dipped in. Yeah. So, yeah, this will be a full rewatch. So I feel like, I don't know, whether it'll be a, the whole episode or not, maybe once every season we'll look back and see what each season of The Third Doctor was like. So okay. if there's any Third Doctor fans, let us know, because it'll be kind of me going for the first time. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces, but not a lot. And that's yeah. why I'm going through it yeah. for the first time. And I'm excited because I quite like John Pertwee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, talking about doctors, that's what we're going to be doing today, except instead of three. That's what we do every day, Pinky. Exactly. <laughs> because it's January, we figured, much like our Doctor Man series, we would do a doctor each month. And, you know, appropriately enough, this is January, so it's the first month, so why not talk about the first doctor. The first doctor. And sort of what prompted this is that there's a, a YouTube video series, um, and I'm sure other play- venues as well, but YouTube was the easiest way to watch it, um, that's done that focuses on each doctor. And, and we watched it and sort of serves as a springboard to talk m- more about William Hartnell and his era of originating Doctor Who and all. So, yes, the, the and we'll, I'll include a uh, link to the YouTube video in the uh, on our website in the show notes for this episode. But the video is done by Richard D. Carrier uh, under Clever Dick Productions. And it's uh, the video we watched was called Doctor Who Review Part 2, The William Hartnell Era. And so what did you think of sort of, it's just not long, I forget, 40, 45 minutes, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I always enjoy, in the same way that I like the, um, what are the little snippets? The Oh, Doctor Who Confidential. Yes, the fan shows, yeah. Yes, uh, the, this reminded me a lot of that and we don't have it with the, classic the, uh, with the classic i mean we don't have it for nine either i don't think that's true um but this reminded me a lot of that um and his love of classic who is both inspiring and chastening for me a little bit because I tend to be quite critical Uh because it wasn't something that I grew up with. Um, I think I've said before, my my cousin Trey 
um, who is a rocket scientist now, is watched it when he was growing up. And so I would see bits of it. Of course, this would be the Tom Baker era. Quite possibly. I have no idea. Um, But the theme music scared the crap out of me Mm -hmm. when I was little. Mm -hmm. And so that was my only exposure to classic Who. Mm -hmm. Um, And so perhaps that, to a certain extent, that PTSD uh, (laughs) colors my view of things. But um, the enthusiasm that that Mr. Carrier has is, yeah, uh, uh, catching. Yeah, and, and I enjoyed that. And I think he's he he does a a, a balance in the video. I don't think he's he's super criti- super critical. Like for instance, you know, on on my the sister show I have the City Alpha Three when we talk Star Trek, and especially we're doing sometimes you guys are mean. That's, that's yes, <laughs> I, I mean, it's true. Um, you know, we were talking Star Trek Discovery, but even when we talk other Star Trek, uh, there's three of us. And each of us have our certain feelings about different series. Um, and, you know, we're, we, we all love Star Trek, but obviously we can sometimes have opinions. But I think in this one, you know, he's, he's obviously it's he talks about Doctor Who the same way I feel about Star Trek. Because he's sort of like, oh, in, in, in another video sort of about him, he's like, you know, it's sort of above, you know, it's more than just my favorite show. And that's Star Trek with me. So that's why it's sort of a different place, you know, sort of like a, I mean, religion is obviously too big, I think, to, to, of analogy, but it's somewhat like that you know yeah. where it's not just like a tv show it's like this whole thing that it was an influence and so you know I, so i don't think he's he's necessarily by the way this is the way i feel about the book the outsiders <laughs> which is why you need to be reading it mister are you converting me i am trying to um so, so yeah i don't think <laughs> i've put up with all your star trek doctor who babylon five stuff you can read the outsiders for me yes uh <laughs> But yes, yeah, so I, I don't think he's, he's super critical, but that's I think he's coming from a, a genuine place. So, but I don't think he's all necessarily like over infusive either. No, he he certainly no. has you know and he an makes adult references, eye. Yes, yeah. uh, you know when he was talking about the production of the first Doctor and all of those sorts of things, he does mention very restrained in mm-hmm. a very restrained, possibly very British way. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, uh, William Hartnell was known to be difficult on the <laughs> set. <you know? laughs> well, and I thought it was a good reminder of, of what he talked about in the video that when you watch the first Doctor, and this was a, if you didn't know this already, if or, you know an adventure in space and time, the the fiftieth special they did on William Hartnell, mm. um, the whole and you know I didn't know this, I don't know what, I mean, what do I know about British TV production, especially nineteen sixties British television production, but the whole basically like they can't cut they can't i mean it costs money yeah this to, to do this stuff yeah. and so that's why some of it where the camera bounces or a prop moves or hartnell messes up one of his lines like they can't i mean they can fix it but it costs them money so that's why they don't do it that often yeah and so he talks a lot about the fact that it was quite similar even though it's not in front of an audience of any sort it's quite similar to doing live theater because you do just sort of have to keep going and hope for the best mm-hmm. in cases um, so that it didn't cost a tremendous amount of money. Mm. And the other thing that I really liked was talking, and again, you get it in the 50th anniversary film, mm. the sheer groundbreakingness. Yeah. I'm going to make that a word. <laughs> of, of the whole thing. I mean, from, from the get-go, with Verity and... That's right, right? Yeah, yeah. Verity, yeah. Verity Lambert um, as the producer. Verity, Verity Lambert as the producer. And was it the uh, director? Yeah. I, Her, that's not his name. Who's saying his last name? Walrus, I think that's his first name. But anyway, um, you know, gay, uh, you know, director. And so. Yeah. And I, 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 I just find it amazing mm-hmm. that in the 60s, these are the people who were breaking this ground, and mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful. It's just a delight. It it soothes my soul in these troubled times, if you will. <laughs> so, I mean, and just so other points from the actual video, thinking about the first Doctor, and, and you know, I haven't seen an awful amount of the first Doctor, I, uh, but what did, what did it make you think about upon reflection of what you know of the first Doctor? And, and also not just Hartnell, though him too, but also the companions and the stories. Yeah, and all that. I thought it was interesting, and I hadn't really thought about Ian being the hero, right? Um, which he talks about, and the actor who played Ian had just come off being Lancelot, 
in a series, yeah. I think. And, and so he had this hero idea. And I hadn't really thought about it. And I also, they talked a lot about the original remit of education, education, education. And I hadn't really thought about that. You know, we've talked about the 13th Doctor mm-hmm. and, and the reintroduction of a lot of science stuff. Right. Um, the, theoretically with the aim to introduce more girls to STEM things. Mm-hmm. But um, the idea behind Doctor Who originally was this idea. And so now I'd like to go back when we talked about the different ways that each doctor, the different things each doctor had in common with the 13th doctor. Mm -hmm. I want to go back and talk about (laughs) (laughs) the fact that the first doctor and the 13th doctor have that in common, that that is an emphasis that the showrunners, the writers, whoever want to place on this, possibly for different sections of the children who are watching it but uh i find that really interesting and yeah and i i was trying to think of the the whole educational framing like you said you know with having the teachers mm. and then you know the doctor is sort of the doctory figure um but I, I was wondering were they successful or not and like in other words that's the framing device that we all know or if you don't know i mean that's sort of the framing device you can have teachers who for the kids susan's the kid doctor's the smart guy we go from there. But I'm like, it's not really either A, either A, it, it sort of didn't follow it after that. You know, it's like that's the framing, but then the show just turned into something else, something good. Or B, they're doing it so well we don't even notice. Yes. You know, it's not like, oh, yes, these are the Aztecs. Yes, the Aztecs were from ancient Mexico. And, you know, it's nothing like stupid i guess you know but but i mean it's not like sort of blatantly educational and again maybe that's how american education television usually looks like yeah um yeah. so but but in you know with doctor who especially the ian barber era you know it is sort of more you know because i think aztecs is is a very good serial but it's dealing with a, such a you know the interfering with society and history mm. and time and what does that mean you know uh uh barber wants to do good you know posing as a god and wants to make these subtle changes but the doctor explains that if you change this this will happen and then people will die and da, 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 da. even though you but think you're doing also, good yeah it, i mean that's the key to good educational television yeah. isn't it that so there are a bunch of nine-year-olds coming up with learning. these uh temporal yeah. morality lessons yeah and <laughs> learning about the aztecs and i would yeah. suspect that you know as american students <laughs> learning about the aztecs was mm-hmm. a small part of our education as British children, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know how much they do about the Aztecs because right. it's not quite so. This is on our Hemisphere. doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder how accurate all the, the, the history. Was. Yeah, and so. now I want to go on a mad search for the Marco Polo yeah, I know. episodes. Yes, that was mentioned. Uh, I want to be Marco Polo of the Marco Polo, Polo episodes. That's right. Yeah, that's my plan. Though, also so we've quit our jobs. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> we're off on a hunt. That's right. We're going on an adventure, <laughs> um, Marco. But one thing that that I watching the the the, the carrier video um, made me think about was in a lot of ways, and this can be true of other who, but just focusing on the first Doctor series, it is sort of an, and maybe it's the black and whiteness, which <laughs> as an American calls to me, it is sort of like classic horror. Like in the Dracula, Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Hollywood monster movie days. But because, I mean, a lot of it with the Daleks and even the Aztecs, it's all very horror in a way. Mm. You know, the, the sort of the theme and the tone in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, which, I, I which can, is not I a, can see what you're saying. Yeah, that's not a critique. I mean, I think that's it's a very interesting that a first Doctor story, I mean, that I mean, it sort of leads to the whole cliche of hiding behind the sofa as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. every uses that as a yeah. cliche i find that when they're talking about doctor who yes um and i find that really strange because as a child uh-huh. listening to the doctor who theme song terrified me i never hid behind the sofa what maybe because americans we usually against the wall it'd be really hard to i wondered do, do britons that too, just put the sofa actually. in the middle of the maybe room that's the thing that makes it a cliche because then i was thinking about it and i was like that's because the sofa was against the wall Ugh. <laughs> and so is that a is that a cultural divide yeah, that's right that americans put their sofa against a wall and british people do not yeah, that's right well you know better than i would i would but my sofa 
In all of the houses that I lived in, yep, nope, all of them were against a wall. Yeah, well, so. of course, then maybe the more family housing. Well, and I suppose it depends on how your house is broken up. Because right. technically, we've got a sectional sofa. Yeah. And so part of it's not against a wall. Yeah. Um, but then Do you hide behind the desk? I hide behind the desk <laughs> so, so often. Actually, <laughs> now to do with Doctor Who, but yes. And also, one and again, again, it's weird to talk about the first Doctor like we're just staying in the first part because you know there's Stephen and uh, I can't remember Lom Dodo and and then you get Ben and Polly and I'm skipping others you know all these other companions but it's like when you think first Doctor you really just think the Barbara Susan Ian yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean but of course I, I as the video points out um, you know there are great stories outside of that original series era if you want to call it that. Um, that sort of tends to where you gravitate to. But I mean, it just may just mean to, to watch more of them again. Yeah. Of course, there's so many lost ones that doesn't help. That's true. Yeah. And I don't know if I've watched any Doctor Who episodes without. Well, you watch The Tenth Planet. That's when the Doctor met the Cybermen, and that was Ben and Polly. Okay. The yeah. last, the yeah. last series. All right. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, I remember the series. I vaguely yeah, remember yeah. Ben and Polly. Because uh, that, yeah. 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 That's the Cybermen. Yes. And the little cyber rats, the first time the little cyber rats appear. No, because they don't appear until the tomb of the Cybermen with the second. Oh, Doctor. that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the first one was the first ever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Got nothing. But anyway, one thing I was thinking of, and again, it's been a while since I've watched all of it, but I think with Ian and Barbara, we tend to think of them as a couple, but there's not literally written a romance. But strongly... Suggested? Well, I wouldn't say implied. I'd say inferred. You know, okay. I, I think we're all so like they—they they didn't intend for it. But well, we chose. I don't know it. if they did or not, but I, but I think I, it's, yeah. I mean, we're going to do that anyway, yeah. don't we? I mean, you do it with with um, Matt Smith and Clara Oswald, mm-hmm. which I appreciate is muddying up the names, yeah. um, and and even for a long time, the tenth Doctor and Rose until it's actual, actual, yeah. yeah. And even then, I just, mm, I prefer the suggestion right. and the the whiff of a romance without the, I mean, I, I loved the scene where he's about to tell her he loves her and then he vanishes, but I still don't want that to be an I'm in love with you right. thing. I don't want that. I love you, Rose, but I'm not. In love. But in a platonic, <laughs> hey, let's be mates kind of way. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, uh, this is going to be mates. Uh, Donna, uh, Catherine Tate's getting married. To whom? Uh, it's an American scriptwriter, I believe. You'll have to. The Daily Mail was sort of like, oh, she's getting married for the first time at 50. And then, but anyway. Oh, the that's point, dreadful. It is. It is. But the point is, larger point is, she's going to get married. So there good, you go. Good honor. Yeah. Good honor. Although, you know, again, a some of my Catherine Tate era, and I have yeah. a bit of a long one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but during some of my Catherine Tate era, she was uh, dating a guy from Take That. Oh, um, and so how'd you feel about that? Oh, I liked it. Okay, so yeah, I'm just a little sad about that, but that's just me being a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's an interesting combination. We should go with that. Um, obviously her happiness is much more important than my, <laughs> my shipping, right? Exactly. That, that's, you keep telling me that, right? You can't marry off all the man bands. That's right. <laughs> I do love a good man band. <laughs> so for refresher and just to close or with focus here, um, we read, I'm, I'm not sure we focused in <laughs> any way, shape or form tonight. We reread our Doctor First book, because, of course, everyone knows we love our Doctor Man books. But anyway, focusing sort of on the the stereotype of the first Doctor, this tetchy, you know, old man, do you think that's deserved, or do you think we see more than that stereotype when we actually watch? I mean, I think we definitely see more of that, but I also think that that's part of his thing. Uh He is the curmudgeon. Right. And that's... You know, perhaps initially written so that Ian could be the hero. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but curmudgeon doesn't mean dreadful. Yeah, because when, when, you know, not being of the time, but at least being shown and being told that 
you know, uh, Bill Hartnell loved this role because children all loved him. And it's sort of like, how is he lovable? But, but I don't know. Again, I don't know. I've never had a British grandfather. Maybe that's what they're like. I suspect <laughs> in a lot of ways it might be. Yes. Uh, particularly of that era. Uh-huh. Um, and it's so clear. I mean, when he leaves Susan, he does it in a very brusque way that I might not have chosen. That's right. Mm-hmm. But he does it. Because he loves Well, yeah, there's that bit of... Because he sort of... I can't remember the guy's name. But anyway, he sort of brushes up against the young man. I can't remember his name. Um, And, uh, oh, Lord, Invasion of the Daleks, whatever it's called. The Dalek Invasion of Earth. Sorry. I did cheat on the notes there. But anyway, but then when he suddenly realizes that he, the young man and Susan are sort of have a thing, he's like, okay, well. Yeah. It's not my cup of tea, but uh, it's going to make her happy and let me give her a push. So she doesn't feel like she has to take care of the old man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how much... Do you have a lot of memory of either of your grandfathers? No. Because they both died before I was born. Well, that's what I wasn't sure about. And my mother's dad died when I was quite little. But the memories that other people have given me of him was that he was quite jolly and, Mm. and, and quite delightful. But the grandfather that I had until I was... I was, it was my first year in England when he died, yeah. so I was in late 20s mm-hmm. um, when he died. And he was very gruff. Right. Um, he was a truck driver. He was gruff. He was really rough around the edges. He was probably really quite racist in a lot of ways. Kind of like the first doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also knew that he loved the dickens out of us. Uh-huh. You know, from his lounge chair with his alcohol in his hands. But he did love the Dickens Elvis, you know. And so maybe that's, I don't think that's necessarily an uncommon grandfather theme of that time. Well, because I think it is always interesting to see, uh, we're just going to say doctor, to see the doctor happy or, or, you know, there's moments of when he's, and again, not to keep going back to the Aztecs, it's just the one I really think about the most when he's flirting, basically, with that oh, woman yeah, in the garden. Yeah. Kind of because he really has an angle, just get information, but he's actually getting into it after a while um, with the hot chocolate, which is you know very representative there. Wink. He, yes, um, but even like with the feast of Saint Stephen's, when he looks at the camera and which is all all of us a Merry Christmas, you know that you know his little uh, laugh and when he's you know all those things he can he does. Probably not purposeful. This is a, a retro, you know, uh, analysis that since he is the first doctor, we you know he is the youngest doctor, that you sort of see that childlike mm. young part of him um, looking back on 50 plus years of Doctor Who. Yeah. That, that you can see I, that. I, I think in a lot of ways he's a quintessential grandfather. And you can just see him meeting the kids out on high streets all over England mm-hmm. and patting their heads just that little bit too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're fascinating, small child, but I am not sure what to do with you kind of thing. So, yeah, I I get that. I get that completely. And grumbling about it and grumbling about all these children coming up to him, but just kind of loving it at That's the right. same time being the center of attention <laughs> yeah. like oh no no one pay attention to me but pay attention to me uh, and, and, they, <laughs> and from children especially when there's such an innocence and delight yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah we, we will definitely try to watch a little bit more first doctor of course we got a little lot on our plate right now but yeah a little bit more just to maybe some non-ian and Barbara, just to get yeah. taste. Also, I'm looking forward to the Marco Polo episodes. We're going to watch those next, right? <laughs> sure, if you want to watch a bunch of telesnaps. <laughs> Pictures! <laughs> See, that would be an interesting thing. Well, maybe this is just me. Of where, if you could just get the scripts and just do like a, you know, a reading. Yeah. Well, we should look into it. Yeah. That would be an interesting episode for us, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just get a bunch of people together and do a reading of a show that... Yeah. The filming doesn't exist. Yeah. Write that down, baby. Let's get to work on that. <laughs> don't don't include this part in the radio in the in the podcast though, because because somebody will copy our. Oh idea. no! Don't steal our ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Any final words on the first actor? Of course, we'll talk about him many many more times. But like I said, we're just gonna do a little monthly spotlight, and so we're gonna start here in January. I'm so. still really sorry he killed himself in Broadchurch. Uh, I think that's that's David Bradley playing the. Uh, 
We'll we'll talk about different characters later. That, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> he killed himself in Broadchurch. And it was the 13th Doctor she had. So, well, and the 10th Doctor. I know. They had something to do with that. Conspiracy. Cool. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Well, here's to learning more about the man who started it all. Yep. William Hartnell and the first Doctor. But until then, we will go off into the TARDIS library. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. So into the TARDIS library, we are going to go visit a recent Big Finish production we listened to, though it's not a necessarily a recent Big Finish production. It's uh, not an ancient Big Finish. And we're not talking First Doctor. No, no. Though, though David Bradley has recorded some. First Doctor, big finish productions. Before he killed himself in, in, in uh, Broadchurch. Broad yes. Yeah. But no, our production uh, premiered first in June 2017, and it is the... Lives of Captain Jack. Hooray! Yes, that's of course <laughs> Captain Jack Harkness with John Barrowman uh, steering or helming this uh, box set from Big Finish. So, as with most box sets, it's four episodes. I know you were... Very disappointed. There were no extras on this one. There were no extras. I was, yeah, very sad. I needed my Doctor Who confidential here. And we've gotten them with all of it. Is there any other one that hasn't done cast interviews afterwards? I mean, because we've listened to, you know, the Eighth Doctors are are not box sets. You know, they're just the single episodes. But no, most of the box sets seem to have. I don't know. Maybe it's they started after a certain year. I don't know. Yeah. But this had also so many interesting characters played by actors i would have loved to have heard from sure so let's go through each of these four episodes so the first one if you want to tell us the title and synopsis i do the year after i died by guy adams set in the year 200,101 on an earth ravaged by the daleks jack struggles to save humanity from its oldest enemy Sure, and I think this is set, obviously, after The Parting of Ways, if I'm saying that episode correctly, the Ninth Doctor's last episode, you know, on the station, and, and Jack dies, and blah, blah, blah. This is sort of like, you know, several months later, or I forget, actually, did you say how long? I can't remember, a year or so. Anyway, uh, that basically Jack is now on Earth following the Dalek invasion, and sort of is to himself in the woods, and a reporter finds him. And the hygiene keeps calling him a hero, which he doesn't like. Which seems to be a, a whole theme for this yeah. whole box set. Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't realize it until I said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I noticed that. So anyway, uh, what'd you think of this episode? It was my least favorite okay. of the four. Because it, it eventually all goes to this space station, where it's the elite of Earth are, you know, doing secret things. I guess without spoiling the whole thing. Um, are doing things that that have to the other people of Earth. Yeah, so. yeah, and again, I, I, you know, I don't like space stations. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I'll look at the. Yeah, one it was, in it the was sky a bit of a bottle episode. But yeah, yeah, and the others. And it was all humans too, I guess. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, obviously some of the others had familiar names and things like that, so. I thought the interesting thing about this episode, at least from the, um, Captain Jack perspective, is that he's struggling, or, you know, he doesn't know what happened on the, I forget the name of the space station in the Parting of Ways, but during the, 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 during the Dalek invasion, um, on the reality show Space Station, he doesn't know that he died, and so... And that Rose brought him back. Like, right. it hasn't quite clicked. I mean, he knows something happened, but I think he just, you know, somehow the Dalek missed him and he just passed out or something. And But it's sort of giving him, given him this rather cautious mentality of, oh, that was a near-death experience and I don't, you know, want to die, obviously. And so that's why he's sort of by himself in the woods. And he's sort of having to reluctantly join on these adventures uh, without putting himself at risk um, because, you know, he doesn't want to die. Interesting. So just him having that the the dramatic irony of us knowing that he has that power, but he doesn't know it yet. It's sort of an interesting thing to watch as the character. Yes, very much so. Now for the second episode, it is Wednesdays for Beginners by James Goss. In this, Jack and Jackie Tyler... That threw me off, Jack and Jackie. Anyway, let's do it again. Jack and Jackie Tyler must unite to rescue the Powell Estate from a force whose name Jackie 
can never say. <laughs> so this is an interesting cameo. Of course, Jackie Tyler. I, I, sorry, I did not look up the actress who plays her, but uh, yeah. Rose's mom. Um, it's, it's almost really her episode more than it is Jack's. Oh, yeah. And she does some fabulous work because she spends so much of the time talking to herself. Yes, it's from a writing standpoint, it is a little like... I guess it is the audio drama challenge because it is all audio. And so you're in this strange position, strange position that if you only have two characters, I guess this is a, what do you call it? A two hander. Yeah. Um, I mean, more or less that you just have to have the characters talk to themselves an awful lot, you know, which is slightly unnatural, but you know, but you go for it. But she pulls it off right. beautifully and, and, and it's written well as well. I mean, mm-hmm. some of it, she's on the phone. Other times she's actually talking to people. Other times she's talking to herself. And then she talks about the fact that she needs to get a dog so that talking to herself Rufus. isn't quite so weird. And <laughs> a dog who can't run away. So maybe a dog with something wrong with one of its paws. Oh, foot. So it won't run away from her. It's just absolutely delightful and so quintessentially Jackie. Yeah, actually. I thought. You know, if, if you, know, you think maybe it's, uh, if you don't enjoy the character, I think this encompasses what the character is all about. You know, her, her she's you know very fun loving, you know, gossipy and 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 all that. But she's someone who loves life. But she is also you know, I mean, sorry, damage isn't the right word. But anyway, but you know, at least at this point in her timeline, you know, her husband was killed, and she had to raise you know her her daughter alone, and so she sort of lives for her daughter. Now her daughter's away, you know, traveling with the doctor, so she's sort of having to struggle with her identity and what her life is and all that stuff and. But but it is but I think it, this character this episode makes that character interesting if you didn't find that interesting before so yes yeah I this was absolutely delightful I thought um, I didn't necessarily get some of it with the fog and did they really ultimately figure it out or. Did they end it with the two of them being on their own? And then there was the party, so some of the people... I, I, yeah, it ended... No, it, it ended... I mean, I don't know, not, not to spoil it. It ended on a happy note. Yeah. Clarity was a little bit tricky. Right. But that's okay. But not not a little bit Mickey. But not a little bit Mickey. She does go looking for Ricky at some point. Yes. Um, but to be honest, I was just so delighted to spend a little bit of time with Jackie that Mm-hmm. I was okay that I didn't completely get the plot. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, so so obviously Captain Jack is in this as well, so you get that little intermix, but it's really more for episodes, so it's certainly a recommend for, even if you think you don't like Jackie, I think it's certainly a good episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's not somebody that I would go, oh, yeah, love her, <laughs> but... But it is one of those characters that does match well with Jack because they're both very cheeky. Yes. Together. Yes. So who's going to out-flirt who? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she keeps telling Rose when she's on the phone with her about her stalker, her her good-looking stalker, Mm because Jack's always around. (laughs) Bless. And then our third episode, One Enchanted Evening by James Goss. Captain Jack and Alonzo Frame have only just met, but why did the Doctor want them to be together? So this is sort of one of those what-ifs from Captain Jack's history, Mm -hmm. you know, so of course... The end of time. So we go from right after the ninth Doctor's final episode to right after the tenth Doctor's last episode, when of course he infamously introduced Alfonso, or Al, yeah, to mm-hmm. uh. Sorry, I was just thinking Alonzo. Alonzo. I was just thinking Alonzi Alonzo. Yes, you know, yes, Alonzo to, to, to Captain, Captain Jack. Jack. Yeah, which I and we'll talk about the episode. But one thing that that and I don't know if it was maybe there's like literal reasons why they couldn't mention it or whether figurative reasons, but anyway. I was waiting for a Yanta reference in this episode. Because, to, to remind, you know, at in that end of time, you know, when, when the Tenth Doctor basically, you know, salutes Jack for the final time, at that point, that's the end of, right after uh, Children of Earth, when Jack has escaped Earth, you know, because Yanta died. Yeah. And so that's why he's sort of alone on the space. It's sort of the end of proper Torchwood. Yes, I know, there's Miracle Day. But anyway, um... Not not to throw shade. But anyway, so that's sort of where his character's at. And so when during the course of this episode with him and Alonzo, you know, who's a younger man, um, and there's a lot of times where, you know, one thinks the other died and one of the thinks the other died through these herring adventures on a space station again as well. Yep. Um, yeah, but I liked this one. Yes, but, but I, I really <laughs> was really hoping for a – we didn't need the name Yanto, and I'm not one of those diehard Yanto Torchwood people, but – 
you know, it did happen, and that's part of Jack's story. I was thinking sort of, oh, this happened to me before, not again, or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I really love this. I don't know if it's the fact that I have a soft spot for Alonso, <laughs> or if it's that I have a real soft spot for Russell Tuvey, which I do, very yes. much so. But he always... And, and this is not throwing shade on him, but he often plays very similar characters. Right. This sort of bumbling, shy-ish, squeaky kind of character that I just find very endearing from him. Mm -hmm. And the chemistry between Alonzo and Jack, I thought, was apt. I kept picturing them in two separate sound booths, hoping that they could at least see each other <laughs> to give each other these cheeky winks or something like that. But it works because throughout the majority of the episode, they're not in the same room together. But I just thought it was absolutely delightful. Their chemistry was so gorgeous. I just loved it. I think the actor's chemistry was good, like you said. I think for the characters themselves... For, I mean, this is me. From a writing standpoint, I would have wanted more in the beginning because, I mean, not to spoil the whole thing, but, you know, there's sort of, you know, it's right after they've met. They're sort of going to uh, Alonzo's room and then sort of the shena shena shenanigans start happening and hijinks. And so they're sort of locked out of the room. But, like, throughout the whole episode, they're sort of, you know, um, making, you know, winks at each other. But I really need, like... In order for that to be like the one night stand that turns into something more, there needs to be a, like they don't have to actually do it, but they need to be like some kiss, you know, something. I, no, and see, I completely disagree because to me that was the whole point. Mm -hmm. Every time they think they're about to get to the point, nope, nope, yeah. they get pulled. You know, at the end of it, they're like, "Ah, oh, here we are together, and we're about to get in the." Nope, nope, that's not going to happen. Ah, oh, here we are, and we're headed to the. Set. Nope, that's not going to happen. You know that. That was the thing I loved. I, I just thought that in order to have the investment, you need to at least have had the taste, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. One I mean, lick of the ice cream. I'm, I'm like, I do want the whole ice cream. <laughs> okay. but I'm a little concerned about your metaphor choices, <laughs> my darling. Well, because, like, um, I mean, in other words, like, their whole time, but I'm like, at, at a certain point, I would have been like, well, this isn't worth it. But I also got the, <laughs> I, you know, like, I don't think, I feel like there was an understood something, something. Right. Because it's not like Jack, after the doctor tells him Alonzo's name or writes down Alonzo's yeah. name or whatever it is, that Jack doesn't immediately go to the bar and be like, Alonzo, off we pop. Yeah. And then they walk to his bedroom without any sort of touching or anything. And then shenanigans, you know, things happened that we don't get to see. Well, it can't have been that much. Alonzo's pretty shy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's also taking Jack back to his I would have at least wanted, like, a light makeout in the in the, in the the elevator or whatever they call it. And oh, then, I figure that happened. Yeah. You just didn't get to see it. Yeah, so, but I just think you needed that investment so that, that way the whole episode, this whole, like, oh, you know, is this more and what is it? What, and, you know, no, that's, I, did, I, 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 I didn't that. need it at all. Didn't need it at all. Thought it was gorgeous. I did think thing. the villain... Oddly enough, voiced by Katie Manning, uh, Joe Grant, uh, third Doctor Joe Grant, uh, was very weird. Took me out of it sometimes. Mm, nothing. I Madam want to nothing. eat you, oh. Mother Nothing. Mother Nothing. Yeah, it was yes. kind of a little over. The, I mean, nothing wrong with what the actress was doing. It's just what she was reading and what how she was directed. It's just like a cartoon yeah. inside of a. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Mother Nothing didn't do. Thought, you know, I was just so intent on Jack and Alonzo and their constant hit and miss. Yes. Connection. More miss than hit. You know, yeah. Wait, wait, you're on with, without, you're on section eight? I'm on uh, section. Oh, no. Section nine. Yeah. Uh, it would have been funnier if he was on section six and he was on section nine and they could have done it. Stop. Okay. I, why do you need this <laughs> ice lolly thing? It's weird. Uh, but. Without spoiling anything, did the ending, were you good or bad about it? Um, I was, I, I mean, I'm not like upset, but they did it a little too much. And then to have it in that way, I'm like, all right, guys, then stop. No, stop no. effing around. With no, me. I wasn't. I, I, no, I was like, yeah, that's just how, how it's got to be. That's how it's got to be. Yeah. They'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. I, I, uh, 
I mean, this isn't spoiler. There's a little too much of like, oh, well, he one's dead. The other thinks he's dead. Oh, no. And the other one thinks he's dead. And, like, happened, like, 20 times. And so that's why. Little... It does happen a lot. To be fair, Jack did die at least once. Well, that's true. That's it. true. Yes. At least once. So, <laughs> yes. you know, they weren't wrong. And so we further around the Jack's timeline with the fourth episode with Month 25 by Guy Adams. The synopsis is, he's the young star of the time agency and his whole life is about to fall apart. But that's not going to stop him winning. So I, I, I generally like this. I, thematically, the order of the episodes bothers me. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, I, I understand why it would do. And again, I don't mind time jumping stories because you know I'm, I, you know, I'm an advanced listener viewer. I can handle that. But when you're when it's a box set, because like unlike the. River Song, this isn't a serialized box set. Of course, it's out of order, so of course I suppose it still could be. But anyway, so it's not like I need, I want or necessarily need a serialized story where they all go together. But I feel like it's better to see the characterization of Captain Jack if they're in order. Mm. Because, for instance, this is the fourth episode. It actually should be first because this is sort of pre-Doctor well, Jack. Well, you say that. Yeah. Well, you that's say true. That. I, I, that'd be spoilerly, I suppose. To yeah. So yeah, but but the main character is Time Agent. I can't remember his name. His you know before he was Jack Captain Jack Harkness. Yeah, I can't uh, remember what it was. I don't know, it's it like was... Liam Leon. No, it was something that started with a J. Anyway, but yes, because you yeah, have like these three names. It was fancy. Yeah. It was fancy and unusual. But anyway, so he's Time Agent, um, whatever his name is. I am sad Spike wasn't in it. Yeah, I actually thought it was the other guy for a second, his partner. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't get the voice. I'm like, well, maybe James Marshall's is just getting a while to adapt to audio. But no, it's not him. Okay. Yeah. So he would have been on the cover because they, they don't hide these things. Yes. So, but that would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to revisit yes. Jackie and Alonzo, then we need Spike. Yes. So, but anyway, what'd you think of the episode overall? Yeah, overall, I liked it. Again, it got a little bit mucky. Um, I think the hard part will go. Well, I, I I don't know if I was trailing off or if I was thinking of the next words. I'm, I'm trying to think of ways not to spoil it. Well, I will say this. I think in some ways the story's a challenge. I mean, in good and bad ways, because we don't know much, if anything, about the time agency other than the sporadic mentions we've gotten in Torchwood, which is not much, um, you know, and so it's hard to be invested in this world that we know a little about. But on the other hand, since we don't know, there's a lot that you can create. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, but it goes both ways, I guess, much like Jack. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But overall, I quite liked it. I quite liked getting some of that history of Jack before he's Torchwood, before he's even Jack. Yes. Um, that was all very interesting. Because um, the characterization is, is you know, he's sort of the Captain Jack, again, not to use the hero word, though that's an interesting theme to explore with this whole box set, but it's before he's a hero. He's just sort of jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he has all these skills that we know that he has, but he just doesn't have the discipline or the not discipline. I mean, even no, I even discipline's Captain, yeah. the right word. He's yeah. not a leader. No, not at all. Not at all. And you know, he, he he's got his partner in time, yeah, whatever, just, yeah. um, who has been telling him about his poorly part, his a poorly husband. husband yeah. yeah, and he can't even remember his husband's name. And yeah, and Jack doesn't even care. Yeah, and those sorts of things, you know, and. You can see Jack in that because even Captain Jack is a little bit self-absorbed, but not to the extent that he was then. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, you can see glimpses of who Jack's going to end up being. And what do you think about, just close up here, of the hero theme? Is Captain Jack Harkness a hero? Yeah, of course he is. And whatever that word means. Yeah, of course he is. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, I think, part of the definition of a hero is somebody who doesn't see themselves as heroic. Mm -hmm. Because that's, it's like, um, a bit like bravery. If you weren't scared to do it, it wouldn't be brave that you did it. Right. You'd just be a psychopath. Yeah. And that's sort of the definition of a hero. Mm-hmm. If it weren't scary, if you weren't putting yourself on the line, 
to do something, then you wouldn't be a hero. Yeah, because I think we all have, in all these episodes, like, is Jackie a hero? Because she doesn't feel like she is. Is Alonso a hero? Because he's like, I'm not. But they all have these things. Either they're they're looking at Jack as a role model, possibly, mm. or or in reaction to, and, and Jack himself, and to the unspoken reaction, of course, to the Doctor, and the Doctor's influence on Jack and all this stuff. Mm. And so it all yeah. melds together and whatnot. And how other people give us strength. Right. Whereas Jack got a lot of his strength from the Doctor. Mm. These characters. And Rose. And Rose. To be absolutely. Fair. Um, and the heart of the TARDIS. It's, 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 okay, okay yeah. I got it. <laughs> um, these characters get their strength from Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as I know, this is the only. And I don't know, I'm sure maybe he did more. Including anyway. mm-hmm. the fact that Jack gets his strength from Jack. That's true. That's a, that's a spoiler. We won't tell you for which episode, um, which really leads to a predictable scene. All right. Yes, yes, it does. I saw that coming a mile away. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, um, we hope you enjoy. But go listen to this one. Sorry. Go listen to this one. Oh, yeah. It's it's fantastic. Definitely. It's a a recommend. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, even if you're not a Torchwood person. I mean, Captain Jack's both Doctor Who and Torchwood. Oh, yeah, and you don't need to know. I mean, with this one, there was no Torchwood. No. Really. Other than they used the music a little more. Yeah, but you don't need to know anything about that canon. No. To, to find this one interesting and entertaining. Not at all. Well, uh, for next week, I think we have a topic in mind. You know, one thing we didn't talk about, and we can talk about it next week, is we saw a movie recently. That's right. That cameoed or included some Doctor Who actors. But, of course, it's British, so there's only 25 actors in Britain. So Tops. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I included them. But anyway, that was the favorite, of course, the Olivia Coleman helmed yes. film. And one of the actors in it is Mark Gaddis. Of course, Who's yes. had a few associations with Doctor Who. And so next week we're going to be talking about Mark Gaddis and his role in Doctor Who, both in front of and behind the camera. We may, may or may not split into two parts or not, depending on how much we get to. And then we're just going to create a third one just for Sherlock. I was about to say. <laughs> Give us a good chance to do a Sherlock rewatch. Exactly. Oh, and I love the guy that plays the bad guy. Moriarty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew? I can't Andrew remember. something. Yeah. Scott? Scott. Yeah, I can't Scott remember his name. But anyway. Oh, he's brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Well, until then, we hope you enjoy watching, reading, and listening to the Doctor's adventures throughout time, time and space. This is BBC Television.